Let's get into the word of the Lord, see what God's going to speak to us today. Leading up to Easter Sunday, of course, begins with Palm Sunday. Uh, and I feel it fitting today to read a text that will equate to this season. Mark chapter 11, if you have your Bibles and would like to turn there. Mark chapter 11, and I will begin with verse number 1. Mark chapter 11. Mark 11 verse 1. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem, unto Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sent forth two of his disciples and said unto them, Go your way unto the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, What do ye this? Why do ye this? Say, un, say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met, and they loosed him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye loosing this colt? And they said unto them, even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strode them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. I want to preach a Palm Sunday message to you today. Before I get into the word of the Lord too deeply, I just want you to pray with me right now and ask the Lord to help us to pour his presence and spirit out upon us this morning. Would you just set your Bibles down, lift your hands toward heaven, and let's call on the name of the Lord this morning. God, we need you today. Lord, pour your presence out upon us this morning. Let your glory fill this house. God, fill us today with your glory. Let praise arise from our spirits and hearts this morning that every person in the room may be blessed and touched by the word of the Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. This portion of Scripture gives the account of the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. I'm thinking that the two disciples must have wondered about what Jesus had told them to do because none of the gospel accounts about the ministry of Jesus 
ever mentioned him riding any animal to get from one place to another. The gospel accounts tell us that he must have walked hundreds of miles up and down the Holy Lands and along the seashore, but no mention of him ever riding except in a boat across the Sea of Galilee. But now he, he gives this unusual command to go into the village to get a colt that had never been ridden and to bring it to him. It must have seemed like a, a pretty strange command to tell them prophetically to go and this is exactly what you're going to find when you get there. He, he even tells them the exact words that they are to use and uh, should anybody question them and of course they did and when they questioned they just spoke what Jesus had told them to say. The Lord hath need. It's obvious though that Jesus knew what he was going to face in the city of Jerusalem. So his his discussion to or his decision to go into Jerusalem must have been one of the most difficult decisions that Jesus had had ever made up to this point. On top of that, to ride a colt rather than to walk as he had done so often must have been an even more difficult decision because riding a colt into the city was a public declaration that he was a king. And this is what had moved the nation into an uproar. You see, in times of war, the conqueror would ride in upon a prancing stallion, but in times of peace, the king would ride in on a colt to, to symbolize that peace had prevailed. So for Jesus to ride into Jerusalem on a colt declared that he is a king. This was sure, was surely going to cause people to get into a tizzy and a stir because they were already concerned about this man called Jesus to the point that he would tell them after performing a miracle, don't go and tell them what had happened. But yet, the people would continue to go and to tell what would happen. Now this day as Jesus is going to ride in on a colt, the, the question at hand was, how would the people respond to this? Would they recognize that the kingdom that Jesus had been talking about was not of this world, that it was indeed a spiritual kingdom, and that he indeed was a spiritual king? For three and a half years he had been teaching them, but they, they still did not understand. Perhaps some of them would greet him with laughter. Maybe they would be amused by what Jesus was doing. Some, however, may think that it was rather a ridiculous picture, if you please, a, a carpenter declaring himself a king. Perhaps some would think, this man must be a lunatic. He, he's living in a fantasy world, imagine, imagining himself to, to be a king. Others perhaps would meet him with anger. He already knew what was going to happen. They, they, they would be upset and they would interpret his riding into the city as an arrogant gesture, maybe even some would say it would be blasphemy against God Himself. Of course, many 
would recognize him as the king and as the Messiah and, and would greet him and would hail him with joy, welcoming him as an earthly king. But they, they would be a little confused in their own mind, perhaps because they thought he was coming to reestablish the throne of David and to overthrow the Roman Empire and to set up a kingdom that they had longed for and wished for for so long. They were ready and eager to place a crown upon his head and see the Roman Empire overthrown and Jesus to rise as the king of their people. Among the crowds that day would be the crowds of people that he had healed. There would be some that that he had fed when he had fed the thousands and many more that had witnessed and seen his miracles. Some perhaps that had heard him speak and speak with such authority as he did. and They had listened and their lives had been changed by the words that he had spoken. Jesus knew all of this lie ahead of him. He knew that just over the horizon of him riding into town on a colt. He knew what laid ahead of him. He knew that he was facing a cross. Looming like some wooden monster in, over the horizon. Luke tells that in spite of it all, Jesus still set his face steadfastly toward Jerusalem. Can I help you with this picture if you please? Imagine him knowing what laid ahead of him. Imagine him knowing what was, uh, what was in front of him. That Jesus would have set his face steadfastly. Not being turned to the left or to the right. The Jews thought that their deliverance day had finally arrived. They thought their king and deliverer was riding in to take his crown and to set up his earthly kingdom. They, they, they would overlook the lowly colt that he rode in on for now. Surely his stallion was going to be waiting somewhere in a distance. Because the Roman yoke was soon going to be broken. And God's kingdom would soon be sat upon the earth. And finally the Jewish government would again be in charge and God's people was again going to be free. Excitement would charge the atmosphere of those who thought so and around him as their dreams and aspirations began to look as uh, like they would soon become a reality. Can you imagine what the people must have thought that day? Their great conqueror was in the midst. But they did not realize that his conquest was not in a natural realm. But his conquest was in a spiritual realm. And that his kingdom was not of this world, but his kingdom was what was in, of that which was to come. In the, blitz, in the bliss of their ignorance, they, they were beside themselves. If, if ever there was a time for them to rejoice, it was now, if ever there was a praise service, it was now. They were rejoicing because their king was showing up to deliver them. As the procession moved on that day, the crowd 
would have grown larger and larger. The, the disciples were inspired by the enthusiasm of the multitude. They began to throw down their garments, their coats, if you please, and they began to wave palm branches and began to, to lay them out, and they began to cry, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. The people that day would have had a reason to praise. They would have had a reason to worship. They would have had a reason to throw down their garments and to wave palm branches. They were praising Him because they believed that He had come to free them from Roman oppression and rule. These people were praising because their hopes of escaping the physical bondage of this life was there and the life they had been living in was going to be surpassed with the utopia of the new life that they had longed for and imagined he had come to give them freedom from the oppressive rule in their minds and in their hearts and in their lives and daily as they went about their struggles under the oppression they, they thought he was coming to deliver them but in fact he was coming to deliver them but before he could ever get to freeing them in their hearts and in their spirits and in their lives and free them from the oppression of sin and demonic forces, he was first going to have to go to a, to a cruel cross and die and shed his life's blood. I come to tell you today, that it is not God's will for anybody in this room under the sound of my voice or anybody that may be listening online today. I come to tell you that it is not God's will for you to continue on in your life under mental or spiritual bondage, for you to be going under, carried under the load of depression or oppression. But Jesus Christ one day came riding in on a colt, but soon he was going to be your deliverer. I come to tell you today it's not his will for you to carry a load that is so heavy that you cannot lift your head of encouragement but you are discouraged today. I come to tell you that he came to set you free and if anybody today has a reason to praise him and to worship him it is you and I who have been redeemed because of the work he did on Calvary. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Why should we praise Him? Why should we worship Him? First of all, because we have been redeemed. First Peter chapter 1 says, for as, for, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we have been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 5 said, Stand therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us, made us free, and not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Uh, John chapter 8 says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And if the Son therefore, verse 36 says, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. 
We have a reason to praise Him today because we are more than conquerors. We are overcomers. Nay, in all these things, Romans says, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. We can do more than just win. We can do more than just be successful. But we can live a victorious life over sin. We live in a sinful world, but we live above sin. I come today to tell you that whatever ails you, whatever holds you down, whatever oppresses you, whatever puts you under, you ought to get out the palm branches today. Today. You ought to be ready to wave your hands unto him today because we are an overcomer because Jesus Christ overcame it all. Romans chapter 8 tells us what is able to separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. Verse 37 says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, the writer said, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to save Separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. When he filled us with the Holy Ghost. When he forgave us for our sins. When he washed us in his precious blood. He came, gave us overcoming power. Ladies and gentlemen, we now no longer have to be under the oppression of sin. We no longer have to live under the law and the rule of sin. But you and I this morning can live in this sinful world free of sin. Above the price of sin. Because Jesus paid it all and all. To him I owe. Let me tell you this morning, there are a few reasons that we could go to today on why that you and I should live our life of freedom and why that we should praise and exalt him. Psalm 100, the psalmist said, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us. It is he that hath made us. And not we ourselves. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. For his mercy is everlasting. For his truth endures to all generations. Ladies and gentlemen, I come today to tell you that something happens when God's people come together. When God's people begin to recognize his entrance into where we are. Just that, that day as Jesus came riding into the city on a colt, Jesus will come in on the scene in the middle of every pit, every situation that you face. Can I tell you that day that it was almost a typology of the church and where we are today as 
as Jesus came riding into the city, he had told them, I will not come until I hear you say, Hosanna to the highest. Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. Jesus had told them, I'm not coming back to where you are until you understand who I am enough that you will praise me and that you will recognize me. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you this morning that you and I in the middle of our circumstance expects Jesus to show up on the scene in the middle of our complaining about everything that's wrong in life and everything that we go through and every hardship and every struggle. I'm going to tell you Jesus isn't going to show up on the scene when we're mully grubbing around fussing and complaining about everything we don't like and everything we're going through. But when we get to the point of recognizing him as our exalted, exalted and lifted up Savior and every time we begin to worship him and thank him and praise him for who he is and what he's able to do, he'll come riding in. Why is that? Because he inhabits the praises of his people. When God's people begin to worship and begin to praise, you are creating an environment that invites God to come on the scene. It doesn't matter what you're under today, what kind of load you're carrying today. Let this Palm Sunday be a morning of worship. Let this Palm Sunday be a morning of praise. Somebody ought to lift up a hand. Somebody ought to raise up a hallelujah. Somebody ought to get out a handkerchief. Somebody ought to get out a palm branch and say in the middle of my struggle, I'm going to worship. I'm going to praise because I know what it means. When Jesus shows up on the scene, he is going to be my conqueror. Oh, somebody give him praise this morning. Let me tell you, there's something special about the environment of praise. It's exciting and it's contagious in spite, in spite of everything that goes on when somebody begins to worship God. It'll catch on to somebody that's next to you. When you begin to worship and praise God, we've got to understand something. The enemy trembles. I said this some time ago. I'll say it again this morning. Your praise confuses your enemy. Because the devil doesn't understand how in the world you can go through some of the dark days of your life and still have a praise on your heart. The devil doesn't understand this week. I got to tell you, my sister-in-law is such a trooper. She lost her only son, 25 years of age. And, and we buried him on, on Wednesday. And uh, we, we left the graveside around 4 o'clock Wednesday evening. And about 7.30 that evening, my wife got a text message from Sister Dykes, the pastor's wife from the church there. And she said, you will not believe this. But Wendy just showed up to church tonight just about three hours after they had laid her boy in the ground. And she was mourning. She showed up to church. And I can guarantee you that she didn't show up just sobbing and and sitting around but she showed up with praise in her heart and began to magnify and worship the Lord. You know why? Because she learned a lesson that on the hardest days of her life if she can muster the courage to praise that Jesus will show up on the scene and will change the environment. The devil trembles. He gets confused. Your praise confuses the enemy. You know why? He has no earthly idea how a child of God can find praise in the middle of struggle. 
And when you begin to worship and praise God in the middle of your struggle, it confuses him. He's trying to figure it out. You're supposed to be complaining in the middle of your struggle. When you're complaining and you're fussing and you're fighting and you're feuding because of what you're going through in this life, the enemy's looking saying, yeah, I'm about to get them. But when you muster a praise and you begin to say hallelujah, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I've had bad times and I've had struggles, but Jesus is still worth my praise. The enemy doesn't understand it, but a child of God knows that when we worship, he'll show up on the scene and he'll make a way out of no way. One of the most effective tricks of the enemy is to hinder our worship and praise. A worshiping church is a powerful church. An environment of praise will always usher in the presence of God. And at the same time, the lack of praise will keep us from the presence of God. It's not because God's presence isn't here. It's because we let the problem and the trouble and the struggle and our lack, our attitude, keep us from being able to step into the throne room of God. While one is being blessed, another can sit through the same service and leave untouched and unmoved. The difference is their recognition of who God is through their praise. In our text this morning, some had reached a point of being critical of everything so much that Jesus stopped the procession and he wept over Jerusalem. Jesus had already told them, I'm not going to return. I'm not coming back until you get praise right. As Jesus climbed onto that colt that day, I think he knew that the time was come, had come for praise to go forth. And as the praises began to rise and the noise became stronger and stronger, there was a group of nervous people that had assembled. Was it the Romans who feared who the new king was? I don't think so. Was it the demon possessed? I don't believe so. Was it the hardened sinners? I I think not. But it was the religious Pharisees who came with the words, Rebuke thy disciples. Stop them. They're being ridiculous. It was the religious crowd that tried to squelch the praise that was due to the Lord. Because it took the power away from them and restored it to its rightful place. You know why people that have a problem with praise and worship have a problem with praise and worship? Because it's not about them. (laughs) It's about Him. When we withhold praise, you know what? You're not doing anybody any injustice except yourself and the Lord because you're stealing from God what rightfully belongs to Him. You're refusing to give Him what He's worthy of. You're refusing to release what is inside of you to one that is worthy. That's why my praise and worship ought to flow naturally because I'm giving back to Him what He's worthy of. I'm giving back to Him what He's worthy of. He's been so good to me. I can't be silent. I can't sit on my hands. I've got to clap my hands. I've got to lift my hands. I've got to lift my voice because God has been so good to me. When God is exalted in our churches, human kingdoms are about to come down. This is what the Pharisees feared. And that's what the religious crowd feared. 
as Jesus looked at the faces of the uh, of, of the multitude that was there waving their branches and shouting praises, he declared these words. When he said, calm your disciples, quiet them down, stop them, Jesus says, if these should hold their peace, the very stones would have to cry out. Oh, we've talked about it. Obvious, the obvious fact is this that nobody is exempt, nor should they want to be exempt. I've made my decision. Jesus is never going to have to look down and say, if these hold their peace. Somebody said to me, Well, I, I went over and I was visiting another denomination and I was shocked at how they worship. I want you to know that some are not too far from taking our place. I come to tell you there is no rock going to take my place. There's no non-believer going to take my place. If they want to join in, come on and join in. But no rock is going to take my place. I know it may be Sunday morning. I know times may be tough. I know somebody may be going through it today. But I want you to know it's Palm Sunday. And Jesus is showing up on the scene. And my praise and my worship is saying, come on on the scene, Jesus. Come on and enter into the city, Jesus. Come on into the house, Jesus. Because I'm tired of going through it. I'm tired of the oppression. I'm tired of those who have been ruling over me. I'm tired of the hard days. Come on in, Jesus. Let my praise be acceptable to you. Oh, somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. I'm quickly closing this morning. There's only one kind of person that shouldn't and doesn't praise the Lord. And, and we've got scripture for that because of Psalm 115. The scripture said the dead praise not the Lord. The dead praise not the Lord. But everything and everybody else ought to give praise unto the Lord. A prerequisite of life is that we breathe. We inhale and we exhale. One that doesn't have life, one that is deceased has lost life and they've lost the ability to breathe. To breathe, They praise not the Lord, but everybody that breathes, let everything that hath breath, let everything that hath breath. Well, I don't feel like I deserve to worship the Lord. Let everything that hath breath. Truly none of us are worthy to worship the Lord, but let everything that hath breath. Well, I hadn't had a good week. Let everything that hath breath. Well, I've been going through it, Pastor. Let everything that hath breath. Well, as soon as I get through my circumstance, let everything that hath breath. Oh, you don't know, Pastor. I, I really don't feel like I'm worthy. I can't, I just can't do it. Let everything that hath breath, because the devil wants you to think you can't worship. The enemy wants you to think you ought to hold your peace. The Pharisees want you to think you ought to just be silent. But Jesus says, Don't tell them to be silent, because if they're silent, I'll raise somebody else up to be a praiser. But I wonder in this house this morning if there would be about a hundred or so people that would want to get up on your 
your feet and say for the next five minutes I'm going to give God the best praise that I can give him on a Palm Sunday. Welcome into the house Lord. Welcome into the city Lord. Come on the scene Jesus. I'm not worthy but you are. I, I need you to come on the scene. We need your deliverance today. Come on somebody. Lift up your hands. Lift up your heart. Lift up your voice and let's magnify the Lord. There can be healing unleashed in the house today. There can be salvation unleashed in the house today. There can be deliverance in the house today. It's up to you. Go ahead and make him welcome with your praise. Oh, let's magnify him for a few minutes. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Come on, magnify him a few minutes. Magnify him a few minutes. Well, I don't feel anything. Praise him until he shows up. Praise him until he shows up. Come on, tell him how good he is until he shows up in the middle of your situation. Come on, magnify him until he comes on the scene this morning. Hallelujah. Oh, we need you today, Lord. We need you today, Lord. Come on, let's magnify him together. Lifted hands toward heaven. Let's exalt the name of the Lord. Come on, it's Palm Sunday. It's time to worship him. It's time to praise him. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Come on, praise Him. If you see your problem great, praise Him a little greater. If you see your circumstance large, praise Him a little larger. Make Him a little bigger. That's what David meant when he said, Oh, magnify the Lord. He magnify Him. Make Him larger than whatever is in your way of seeing Him. Make Him larger than whatever you're going through. Make Him greater than your battle. 